0: What's up, Whittier?
1: Welcome to What's Up, Whittier, a homegrown podcast.
0: A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures.
1: Hey guys, producer Christine here from What's Up, Whittier, and I'm here with Daniel Gomez from the Whittier Uptown Association to talk about Whittier's first uh, vegan fest. So, hey Daniel, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me.
1: So yeah, let's get a little bit more information about the vegan fest. Why are you guys doing a vegan fest? This is the first time ever.
2: I think it was a great opportunity. People have been asking about it, uh, and you know, a couple more restaurants in, in Uptown Whittier are actually going to open up a vegan restaurant. We have other restaurants in South Whittier as well, and I think it was just a great idea. You have a lot of followers that are saying, "Hey, do you guys have any vegan options?" And I say, "You know what? I think there's enough people. There's enough community here for support for the vegan lifestyle." And I know you might think vegan. Uh, it's not about that. It's about enjoying good food to great people and they're very welcoming to say, hey, you know what? We understand you're not vegan, but here, try this. And if you're up for good food, I think it's a great opportunity to come out and try things. Are you going to like everything? No, but you're going to like something. And it's uh, got a great event on this Sunday, November 4th from 10 to 2 in the same parking lot that the Uptown Weedier Farmers Market occurs. We're actually going to have some vendors from the same market. So it, it's a big Camino thing. And we're going to have a lot of family events for the kids. We're having face painting, animal balloons. Uh, We're going to have a henna tattoo artist on site. So come by, take a look, look around. And we have a lot of different type of vendors. We're having Zen Tea. We have Raw Life Cultivated Juice, does that for us. We have Mamas International Tamales and Papusas. We're even getting glazed donuts, which has a brick and mortar here in Whittier.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Vegan donuts and vegan pupusas? Are you serious yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah,
2: it's a win-win for everybody oh here.
1: Oh, my God. I would, I'm, I'm coming, for sure.
2: Me, vegan locas she has a brick and mortar in East LA. And then she does a Mexican Latin food vegan. We has, we also have Energy Smooth Bar, which is great. They're going to provide us with a bowls. Oh, nice. Vegan ice cream. Mm. And they're doing also smoothies.
1: Ooh, yeah, and then
2: we brought in our kettle corn guy from the market. He Everybody, he always sells out on the kettle corn, so get oh, yeah. here early for that.
1: California's best kettle corn. That's why. He always yeah. sells out. California's best.
2: And then our produce people, we're going to have black sheep gardens, farms. They're great. They always bring fresh, great stuff. I actually buy stuff and make things on the weekend, like strawberry uh, nice. French toast. Mm. Uh, we have Sarah Gardens, a very local. SoCal Gardens, very local. She's up here in La Habra, and she's at our market. And then we have some great sponsors also providing us with good swag bags. We have a great sponsor named Zen Tea House, which is also a vendor. Uh, they're providing us with good stuff. We have executive advertising who's going to do a lot of the filming. So we can have a, you know some posts about how it went. Uh, we had Rafael Guerreras from uh, Farmers Insurance donate. We have Cooking for Health, which also donated. And we have Healthy Ways Medical Group. It's a local oh. office here on oh. Greenleaf they're going to be a part of it as well and then dimension nails yes you heard first vegan nail polish vegan very nail yes, polish. yes nail polish
1: wow that's awesome and i think that's it's vegan because uh, they, the don't way use, to process it. they don't use they uh, don't use products right, right. Uh, used on animal testing right. or anything like that that's super awesome and, yeah
2: and then we have Ward peas brand they provided some uh, goodie bags jada spice chicken salt it's great and Starlight Cuisine offered us some coupons they can use on their product in store oh very cool and then we have Arabon, Maggie Maggie's going to provide you any information you might need about those products but and I think those
1: are vegan makeup products as well yeah. so
2: cool. all in all I think we have a great mix of, of, of vendors right. and advertisers and, and, and the first hundred people who, who uh, purchase something will get a free swag yeah. bag with some stuff that we have from the vendors oh really yeah. so how
1: do you do that you just um hey I bought this from over there Can I yeah get it back come or? over and
2: I'll give it to you uh, Adriana and I uh, and I will be at the booth with information, we'll be all over the place, and we also have my nephew, yes, I convinced him to dress up in a big carrot suit, because that's our logo on our flyer, and he's going to be running around taking pictures of everybody, so you get your snap on, get your grandma on, and we're going to be here for that.
1: Oh my god, you guys have a mascot, you guys have vegan makeup, you have vegan pupusas, that sounds awesome, where can people find more information about the vegan fest?
2: Uh, You can actually go on the Whittier Uptown Association webpage, and you'll see the flyer there. You can go ahead and click on that, and it gives you information of the event, our sponsors, and our vendors. And and if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us via uh, veganfest at whittieruptown.org. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. So veganfest at WhittierUptown.org. And then also you guys are on Instagram as oh, yes. well and Facebook. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, more on Instagram with the, our own uh, Vegan Fest uh, Instagram page. Very cool. But you can always find us through the the Whittier Uptown Farmer's Market as well Definitely. or the association. Okay. We're all over there.
1: Awesome. Well, Daniel, it was great getting to chat with you. Um, I look forward to walking around the farmer's market right now, which you can come to every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the corner of Philadelphia and Bright.
2: Thank you. Yes, thank you very much for your support.
1: Okay, thanks, Daniel. Hey, guys. Producer Christine here with this week's Community Corkboard Announcements. This week's Community Corkboard Announcements is brought to you by The Collab, Inc., Come to The Collab Inc. where you can co-work with your community and collaborate. You can find more information at thecollabinc.com. Check out all of their social media at the underscore collab underscore on Instagram and at thecollabinc on Facebook. So again, if you want any more information, please reach out to the social media and you're able to get a free tour of the space. So we are very grateful for the collab and we hope you'll enjoy it too. Check it out, thecollabinc.com. Our next community corkboard sponsor is Zen's Tea House. Go to zenstea.com where you can learn more about the teas available from Zen's Tea House. You can go to visit Zen's Tea House every Friday at the Farmer's Market from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. So what I like to do is I like to go to zenstea.com and I just like to look at the different teas, right? So right now I found the Organic Dream of Flowers Tea. Looks like it's about $1.50, which that's a deal. So it says here that the origin is from Egypt, France, India. Nighttime tea, rejuvenating and restful sleep, and a stomach soothing agent. It says here, number one blend for sleepless nights. Our Dreams of Flower blend contains a perfectly balanced mixture of sedative herbs and flowers. This mix of Egyptian honey chamomile, rose petals, French lavender and Tulsi give every cup a sweet and spiced floral aroma and flavor. The ingredients are organic lavender, organic chamomile, organic rose petals, and organic Tulsi, aka holy basil. So, if you'd like for Zen's Tea House to customize a blend specifically for you, please send them an email at infozenstea.com. Alright guys, so that's really cool. I didn't know that. I just saw that right now. So, uh, if you want a customized tea blend, definitely contact info at zenstea.com. If you'd like more information, I'm sure you can visit their website, zenstea.com, or visit them every Friday at the Uptown Farmer's Market from 8am to 1pm. Now back to the announcements. Alright, so now we've conquered Halloween, we've finished um you know, voting, what's coming up next? Oh, yeah, there's Thanksgiving, so that's awesome. And I do know about some upcoming Thanksgiving drives, so once I get those dates, I'll put them on the podcast, and you guys will be able to contribute and help support these families in Whittier in need. Um, but for now, I have um, Social Media Sunday. So do you guys know what Social Media Sunday is? If not, definitely give their account a follow. It was created by Jenny and Pedro via from We Are Whittier. Give them a follow at We Are Whittier. And follow their account at Whittier SMS. So there will be a social media Sunday marketplace. So all these accounts that you see on Instagram that don't have brick and mortars, well, you'll be able to meet them in real life on Sunday, November 25th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Gonz Decorations, 12031 Philadelphia Street. So again, if you want, I I do believe that all of their booths are sold out. What's Up Whittier will be there. We are so grateful to be able to have a opportunity to have the booth there thank you so much pedro and jenny if you want more information just send them a dm they're really awesome like you know we were recording an episode with pedro and jenny and you know they're there answering all the messages so they're really dedicated and they really want to support you guys if you have a small business or anything like that so we hope to see you there at social media marketplace and we hope you guys will become more active um with your instagrams and stuff right very cool after thanksgiving what comes next well let's start the holiday season why not join the whittier uptown association as they put on their uptown whittier holiday sonata so this time it's going to be on two nights it's going to be friday november 30th and saturday december 1st at 6 p.m the reason why it's going to be on two nights is so you have an opportunity to see santa on two nights you know a lot of last year there were so many people that um some people didn't get to see santa which is really unfortunate or they didn't get to ride in the horse-drawn carriage or they didn't get to go on the starline city tour bus well this year you'll be able to experience that two nights in a row there will be a vendor market on the grassy lot saturday december 1st again this will be in uptown whittier so you can park in the parking structure wherever as long as you hit the main drag on greenleaf between philadelphia and bailey that's with actually all of uptown not that i think about it because it goes all the way to hadley the santa's village is going to be by sage And then there's the marketplace which is in the grassy lot and then there are three or four different stations i believe where the horses will pick you up so it'll be a really great time get out there for the holiday sonata and if you have not had enough christmas by that time on saturday december 8th join the uptown whittier association For the Christmas Parade, I love the Christmas Parade. It's one of my favorite events of the entire year. And What's Up Whittier is actually going to be doing something special for the Christmas Parade. So stay tuned and hopefully we'll see you out there Saturday, December 8th at 10 a.m. in Uptown Whittier. All right, party people, looks like that's all I have this week for your community corkboard announcements. Your community corkboard announcements, again, were provided to you by The Collab Inc. Visit them at the underscore collab underscore inc and go to thecollabinc.com. We also have Zens Tea House. Visit them at zenstea.com and check out all of their social media at Zens Tea House. And don't forget to follow What's Up Whittier. Follow us on Instagram. Um, Check out the Twitter, What's Up 562. Check out the Facebook for sure, What's Up Whittier. Also, give our hosts a follow. Check out Remo the Realtor at Remo the Realtor on everything. The other day, I got locked out of the Nixon building because, I don't know if you know, you need a code to enter in the evening, and I left my phone upstairs in Jesse's office, and I had no way of getting in contact with Remo and Jesse. I don't know their numbers. I'm, like, outside. It's the evening. I see this lovely stranger. Shout out to Catherine. Catherine, if you ended up listening to the podcast, shout out to you. And I asked her if she could Google Remo the realtor, and I said, Okay, the phone number is 562-762, and I'll know the rest. And she found the number, and she called him, and I got to go upstairs. So, yeah, so that's how easy it is to get contact with Remo the Realtor. Um, Just Google his stuff, and then maybe he'll give you a quote on your house or let him know if you want to buy a house, upgrade your house, whatever. He'll be sure to help you. And I did the same thing for Jesse J2 Architects, but his phone is on silent because he's a really great host, and um, he was already ready to go, so he didn't hear the phone ring. But you can still follow him the same way. Just Google it, J2 Architects. Go to j2architects.com, at J2 Architects, or anything like that. You can follow me, producer Christine, at The Singing Moon. If you Google me, I don't maybe my website will come up, and you can probably send me an email. That'll be cool. But um, if you have any other questions, you can send it to Christine at whatsupwhittier.com. Have anything else you'd like us to feature in the community corkboard announcements, send it over to us. You can tag us in it on Instagram and you can do email community corkboard at what's up And if you have any other questions, just let us know. Alright, guys, this is a really fun episode. Take it away, Justin Remo.
3: Hey Woodier, what's up? Dun, da, da, da. Our weekly podcast. And uh, ho- hello, everybody out there on Instagram, if you're out there following us or live. Um, I know we kind of reached out to everybody and, and asked if he has had any questions for a congresswoman. Um, so if you do, feel free to type them, and, and we'll read them out loud here. Um, but if not, then you'll have to wait till you download the podcast to uh, listen in. So. And with that said, Remo, who do we have?
0: We have our, our probably our biggest special guest that we've ever had. Oh, wow. That's right. We've had... How many? We've had 8,000 episodes, so you're... <laughs> no, not that many. I'm just- <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're, we're not necessarily that high, but uh, we have Congresswoman Linda Sanchez. Hello.
4: What's up, Whittier? your
0: da, da da
3: Welcome. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, it's true. What we saying, I think it's our, you're our biggest guest in terms... or special guest in terms of the people we've uh, interviewed. Not to say that everybody else is not special, but... Uh, I think uh, special in the sense that, um, I mean, you're really representing uh, a big portion of California. Um, and really, I mean, you're you're essentially who we look up to uh, to drive issues uh, for everybody who's voted for you. So um, I guess with that said, for those who don't know you, um, can you introduce yourself and, and sure. give us a little history of, of uh, I guess, our background on, on Sure. Who you are?
4: Um so I'm Congresswoman Linda Sanchez and uh I represent the city of Whittier and 12 other cities in the United States Congress. It's about 720,000 constituents. Um I first was elected in 2003 uh and I had never held political office before I ran for Congress, which is a very unusual path uh to becoming a congresswoman. Um I was born in Orange County and raised in the Orange County, L.A. areas, Um, come from a family of seven children. Both of my parents are immigrants from Mexico. Um, And my father, who I lost in August, sadly, um, very, uh, very tough for me. But um, he is the only father in United States history that could brag that he had not one but two daughters serve in the United States Congress. So, you know, when I hear our president say that immigrants are murderers and rapists and drug traffickers, I think of my father and it's personal for me because, um, you know, uh, as a, you know, uh, industrial mechanic, he raised seven children who all went to college and again sent two daughters to the United States Congress. So, uh, you know, that kind of anti-immigrant rhetoric really um, is really personal to me and really hits home for me.
3: And you're absolutely right. I mean, cause it's one of those things where you, um, I mean, one, it's, it's how do you set, how do you support seven kids? Um, and on top of that, still be able to send them to college, um, while still trying to pursue the American dream, which is, you know, come in, come buy a home, you know, do good for your family. I mean, that's a big responsibility. Um, I, am kind of on the same boat as you are. My parents are immigrants and, uh, Yeah. I mean, I look at their lives and I look at compared to my life. So I I have two little ones and I'm like, how did you guys juggle all that stuff? You know? Yeah. But it's that will is that will to be able to succeed. And uh, and I tell people
4: they they don't call it an immigrant work ethic for nothing. I mean, they worked hard and they sacrificed. I mean, my dad worked 16 hour days. Sometimes my mom who raised seven children. Uh, also cleaned houses on the side to bring in extra income. She sold Avon. I mean, she could. She did whatever she could to help um, supplement the the family income. Uh, when my younger brother, was, the youngest of the seven, was old enough to start kindergarten, she went back to night school and became a teacher. Wow. Um, I mean, just my folks are just incredible. But their stories are replicated across this country right. by different immigrant groups, um, you know, they all like failure is not an option for them. They all work hard. They strive to teach their kids and give their kids a better, better opportunity. And, um, you know, the stories are amazing. I mean, the older I get, the more I look at my parents and I'm just like amazed by what they could do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way and share. I mean, my parents immigrated from Egypt back in late eighties and what they endured to bring us here. And, um, and cross the country line and all that stuff is just – you look at it and you're like, they they sacrificed so much, left a, a career, left family in order for us to pursue. And so I think as an immigrant, um, like, we have an advantage because that work ethic, if, if when you see it firsthand, it is one of those things that good luck to the competition because – if you, have, if you have opportunities kind of handed to you, you don't realize the value of what it is that you...
4: And you don't appreciate them, I think, yeah, as that's much. Right. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah so it's, it's a completely different mindset, um, you know, which, again, is very valuable. Um, and, and it's obviously also depends on, on the person, too, on how, how much they actually want to take that even further. Here we are at dense T.L.S. Let me show you what we got we have organics, we have tea tasting, we have
0: manufacturing, but the truth is it's our naturopathic doctors, our homeopathic
3: doctors, and team of herbal specialists that are really behind the Zen's Tea House movement. If you'd like to learn more about what Zen's Tea House is really about, take a look at the website
0: www.zenstea.com.
3: In terms of, uh, I know you mentioned that you, you weren't a career, or you weren't in politics before you became Congresswoman. Right. What were you doing before this?
4: Oh, so I've had an interesting work h- history. Um, I started out to be a bilingual teacher like my mother.
3: Nice.
4: Um, it was a profession that you needed a lot, you know, uh, bilingual teachers uh, desperately. So when I went to college, I initially thought I was going to be a bilingual teacher. Um, so I worked in school districts, and I, and I taught. Um, but I ended up changing and deciding to go to law school, Um, and I became an attorney and worked as an attorney for several years doing um, products liability, civil rights cases as well. I did a lot of sexual harassment, uh, gender discrimination cases, Um, and then I uh, went to work for my sister's campaign when she ran for Congress. I ran her field campaign, and on that campaign, I met, met some really outstanding folks and later transitioned to working for the labor movement. Um, so I worked for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the electrician's union. And um, then I got elected to run the Orange County Central Labor Council, which is the umbrella organization, the AFL-CIO organization for all the unions in the county. Um, and then from there was when I you know, decided to run for Congress and I ran.
0: Was, was there a turning point that you said, you know what, today's the day that I run?
4: Um, so I jokingly tell people that um, I forgot to take my meds one day and it seemed like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. The application was there. You walked by a booth and said, let me fill this thing out. Um, but I'm just being facetious. All no. Right. Um, so it's a long story. I'm going to try to condense it. But um, in 2000, they did the census. Every 10 years, they mm-hmm. tried to count the number of people living in the United States. And then in 2001, they redrew the, re-drew the districts, the congressional districts. And because California's population grew, they added a new congressional district. And that was the district that I lived in. But I was very happy with my job in the labor movement. Um, And so I started to hear about these candidates that were running to be my representative in Congress. And I would go out to community events and see them and hear them speak. And I was a little bit underwhelmed, to be honest. And um, I kind of complained to my husband at the time. I said, You know, I'm not really crazy about any of these candidates and they're going to be my representative in Washington and I want them fighting for the things that our community needs. I want, you know, advocates that are going to be passionate and hardworking. Um, And I think one day I just I complained one too many times to my husband and he looked at me and he said, well, instead of complaining about it, Linda, why don't you do something about it? Um, and I think what he meant was, why don't you recruit somebody to run? <laughs> yeah. But the light bulb went off and I'm like, oh, I have this wonderful idea. I'm going to run for Congress. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'd never held public office and I just decided to run. But I outworked my opponents and um, I I won my Democratic primary, which was like a five way Democratic primary. Uh, and then I won my general election. And that's that's the story. The rest is history.
3: Wow. So do you look back and, and, and having discussions over dinner with uh, with your sister, is it like is it a thank you for uh, for all you, for getting me in, involved <laughs> or is it what more of a like me into
4: well it's interesting because um, starting in high school, I volunteered on political campaigns. So I was always helping candidates that I thought were good. And I continued that in college and in law school. But I, I never myself thought I would ever run for office just because when I was a child and you're not going to believe this, but I was so shy. I was like painfully shy. Um, People didn't even think I spoke English because that's how little I spoke. Mm -hmm. They would like talk to me and I would like nod my head, yes or no. And so people didn't think I spoke English. Um, So I'm still like in the very center of my soul. I'm still that shy girl sometimes. Um, So, you know, talking to big groups of people and being on TV, like I, that was nothing I ever thought I would, would do. And, um, Now that I'm a member of Congress, I have to do that. And I I actually enjoy talking to, like, I was just at uh, Whittier College talking to groups of students there, which is great to talk to young people about the importance of democracy and voting and participating. Um, I still don't really love the TV part of it. Mm -hmm. I I do it because I need to, but it's not, like, my thing to be on TV. So, Uh, But I love my job. I love getting up every day and thinking that what I do today can help improve the quality of life, for the people that that live in my community
0: so what is a typical day in your life consist of?
4: so to try to try to describe like a typical day for a member is really hard because every day is different yeah, I was to say what? yeah there, um so when when we're in wash in session in washington dc in legislative session um it there's sort of a routine but it, it would be something like um you know I have a meeting in the morning, a caucus meeting with the members of the Democratic caucus. Um, Then I might have a hearing in my committee, or that's where we bring witnesses in to testify about a particular issue and what they think might solve it. Um, Or we might have a markup, which is that, you know, there's a bill that we're considering and we might want to make changes to it. So we discuss and debate, you know, the the bill. Um, But while any of those things are happening, the bells can ring, much like high school, And when the bells ring, it tells you you have 15 minutes to get across the street to the Capitol to vote on bills that are on the floor. So you could be in the middle of something, the bells ring, and you have to stop, walk across the street and vote. Um, And, you know, there's meeting with, you know, constituents that come to your office that want to talk to you about issues. Sometimes I have meetings in my office. Sometimes I have larger meetings with, like, say, the Hispanic Caucus meets to discuss issues that impact in particular, the Latino community. So, like, all day long, you're just running from building to building, uh, trying to do, you know, your meetings or your markups. And yeah. um, sometimes we vote until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Which wow. can, it it could okay. be an all-night thing. It's really unpredictable, and it's really a little crazy. But yeah, yeah. that's what legislative session is like. When we're not in legislative session, I try to get back to the district and I work out of my district office and um, I will be out in the community meeting with people or um, we do events to like educate seniors on like changes to Medicare or we might do a job fair for, um, you know, young people who don't necessarily maybe want to go to college, but want a good career that doesn't require a college degree. Um, we do all kinds of seminars for small businesses, how to grow your business, how to advertise on social media, you know, different things like that. Um I meet with groups of people in my office. Again, if they want to meet with me about a particular issue, you know, I'll come and do that. So I just I try to get out among the different cities as much as possible to keep my pulse on, you know, what's going on in my cities. What do they need help with? Where can I be helpful to the city council, achieve the goals for the city, that kind of thing.
3: So how much time is spent between uh, being at the Capitol and being here at home, essentially your district?
4: So we're usually in session about two thirds of the year. Uh, one week a month is usually a district work period, so I'll come back one week a month and work, you know, my district during that time. We do have the month of August off from legislative session, so I'm, I'm out here for a whole month in August. Um, we usually have a couple of weeks around Christmas um, and also around the Easter break. So, um, but to, about two thirds of the time, I'm in Washington D.C., you know, uh, because we're
3: in legislative session. Wow. I Man, talk about a schedule. I mean, it's uh, to be away from home that that long. I mean, it's uh, it's difficult, uh, but very important. Right. I mean, because if you're not there, then you're not there to push, you know, certain things that you would want to push. Right. Yeah. Um,
4: and I, I think it's probably very misunderstood by most people, you know, they don't realize that I work in Washington, D.C., two-thirds of the year. And so they're like, well, why didn't you come to my event? It was yeah. on Wednesday night. I'm like, well, we were in legislative session. Yeah. I had to be in Washington, <laughs> D.C. Or sometimes they see the calendar and they're like, oh, well, Congress doesn't even work, you know, every week of the month. And I yeah. said, well, just because we're not in legislative session doesn't mean we're not working. We're just working in our district office. Yeah, yeah. So it's
3: different location but still work. Yeah, yeah. And in terms, I mean, talking about like uh, items you're you're kind of supporting or pushing. um, I always say push is not the right word. Advocating, advocating. (laughs) Advocating. (laughs) You Um, said that earlier. I was like, I know. (laughs) Um, Well, for me, I'm always pushing. So, um, I I mean, what are the top, um, I guess, uh, agenda items that you're 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 advocating for?
4: So, I serve on the Committee on Ways and Means, um, which is the chief tax writing committee. It also has jurisdiction over trade and also social safety net programs like Social Security and Medicare. So, right now we are um, trying to advocate to strengthen Social Security and Medicare because the Republican majority wants to cut benefits. um, And chiefly they want to do that because they passed a tax bill, which I did not support uh, last December. Um, that created a 1.9 trillion dollar deficit. Um, and most of the benefit of that tax cut went to the largest multinational corporations and the wealthiest one percent in this country. They said it was a middle class tax cut. And while middle class families saw very, very modest cuts, they might have gotten 20 or forty dollars more a month on their paycheck. Um, the bulk of the benefits um, went to the people who needed the least. and Correct. it created it blew this hole in our in our budget. You know, yeah. we have this big deficit. So now they're saying, oh, we've got deficits. We've got to cut Social Security and Medicare benefits in order to pay for it. Yeah. So that means they're giving money to the wealthiest and they're making the middle class pay for it by yeah. reduced benefits. And and those are earned benefits. Those are benefits that people pay into They've over worked, their lifetime. Yeah. They've worked for them. And they should be there for them when they retire um, or when they no longer can work. Hi, Rose Rieslein here, owner of the Collab Inc. We are located in the heart of Uptown, 6709 Greenleaf Avenue. We're a collaborative co-working space, the first one here in Whittier. We have undedicated workspace, private cubicles, conference room, and private offices coming soon. We also will be hosting networking events and business development workshops. So we're super excited to have our professionals and entrepreneurs come in here and co-work the underscore collab underscore inc for instagram and then on facebook we are the collab inc you can find out what we're all about and see our schedule of events at the collab inc.com you can also learn about our membership prices fee structures daily rates and event space rates we are a two minute walk from our parking structure on bright avenue come sit with us So we're fighting to try to, you know, shore those programs up and not let the Republicans cut them. Um, obviously, we were embroiled in the tax bill. Uh, the, t- the tax bill hurts California families for a lot of different reasons. One of which is if you're a homeowner or you aspire to be a homeowner, um, they they, and this is going to sound very technical, but they capped the salt deduction. Salt stands for state and local tax t- taxes. So if you pay property tax in California, you get That's a right. deduction on your federal return. Well, the average family in my district, and this is average, claims about $18,000 in state and local tax deductions on their federal income tax. Yeah. They capped it at $10,000. Correct. So that means the average family in my district has $8,000 more of tax liability yeah. since they passed that bill. So if you got 20 or $40 on your paycheck a month, well, that's great. But if they whacked you on the salt deduction and you can't claim it – you're paying more in taxes, So you're not really getting the benefit of a tax cut. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. You're essentially getting at the end of the day, you're probably going to pay more uh, for that the additional liability. Right. Right. Significantly um, more. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, this is fresh in my mind just cause uh, I, we just did taxes or going through my taxes. Oh really? Okay. And yeah, most people like, don't
4: think tax talk is very sexy, but it's I, not, it's but it's, it's important.
3: very important to the choir. You're <laughs> important. You're, I mean, especially if you have a business, you know, yeah. it's a, uh, um, or even a family. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, the, even the caps for families. I mean, that's before you were able to get credit. Now they're going to give you just a, 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 a minimum, I guess, if that's the right word. Um, whereas like now from this point on, it doesn't you're not there's no incentives for you to be able to uh, work. If you have again, uh, uh, if you're like in a median income bracket or if you have a small business. Um, and I'm like, man, so how are we? How is this good? Yeah. How does that that help middle families get ahead? It really doesn't. Um, I tell
4: people when people want to know who who really benefited from the tax bill that the Republicans passed, I tell them this. You can sleep better at night knowing that the Republicans really took care of you because now you can pass the first $11 million of your estate onto your heirs without paying a single penny in tax. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Once I tell people that, they know who got the benefit of that tax bill, and it wasn't middle class. There you payments. go, Remo. Now you you <laughs> could write that off. We're yeah, about
0: 10, 10. And a half million away <laughs> there, <Disney. laughs>
4: That's I'm being optimistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't have any constituents who have that kind of estate to yeah. pass on to heirs.
3: Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, so, so funny story. And I'm, uh, you know, when I jokingly, when I introduced myself, I said, we've met before and I'm going to put it out on the air now. So everybody knows the story. Okay. Um, so um, this is probably about a year ago or so. Um, you hold, um, what is it, like a, a quarterly meeting with the local chambers? Yes. Uh, Cause you're also part of, um, what's that group you're part of? Is that your means and ways? Uh, ways and means committee. That kind of, again, try to touch base with local uh, chambers. To understand, you know, where the businesses are going, growth and deficits about and like that. Um, so I was the vice president of the Uptown Association, which represents the local businesses here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I attended this meeting. Um, so I kind of knew some people in the in the room. Um, uh, so I kind of walked around the room, introduced myself to everybody. And I came to you. You were sitting at the end by yourself because uh, it was around lunchtime. And of course, I came to to interrupt and I introduced myself. And, uh, and so I, I said my name, I said I'm with the Uptown Association and I asked, uh, who are you here representing while your assistant right next to you la Well, you laugh and she laughs oh. and then she goes, <laughs> uh, that's your Congresswoman. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. And security and, came, tackled yeah, Jesse yeah. and, and the I'm rest like, is on YouTube. And I'm <laughs> like, oh man, there you go. That's how, that's when you're, when you know you're not, la- you're disconnected, yeah, right? you're not connected. Um, and uh, so well, anyway, I'm glad lot... you know who I am now. Yes. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where like, you know who people are by name, by what you hear. Yes. Uh, yeah. But when you're trying to put the face to the name, yes. or the name to the face, it's That happens to me a lot. I mean, a the...
4: lot of people and people are like, remember me? And yeah. I'm like, uh, refresh yeah, my yeah, memory. <laughs> Tell me where we
3: met. Yes. But at that meeting, it was I thought it was really good in terms of what we're discussing. I mean, um, obviously, your concerns were, were, you know, where do we see businesses going? Uh, where was the growth? Um, what, what, where were businesses expanding, mm-hmm. uh, was it manufacturing, you know, retail and, um, and obviously we kind of went around the room. Um, at that time we we're talking about how like, you know, there's like restaurants that were kind of popping up and that was kind of like the trend. Um, and obviously there was concerns that there wasn't really more that many retail, um, uh, uh, storefronts, you know, staying open longer right. or longer. Or long enough, right, I guess. Making it, making yeah. it. There you go. Um, so, so again, it's it's good to have that discussion because, um, again, you're as a small business, you're representing essentially like almost you know um, small uh, or median gross incoming families, mm-hmm. um, and so to be able to connect with that, I think, and know really what's going on in the community is, I think, very important. Because uh, obviously that makes, you know, what what you're trying to do uh, even more powerful, right? So yeah. um, based on, I guess, what you how you've been involved, is there anything... I'm, I'm going to be specific here mm-hmm. in Whittier just because we're here in Whittier. Sure. And this is What's Up Whittier. Yeah. Um, locally here in Whittier, I mean, what have you seen... Um, what is one thing that you've been working on that's, um, I guess, helped the community... Uh, So, um,
4: several years ago, well, now it's more than several years ago, I don't know if you remember, but the police station went through renovation because it was an old cinder block. It was built like in the 1950s. They couldn't, they didn't even have cell service in parts of the station because of the cinder block walls. So, they got funding from several sources to renovate that. And I got a half a million dollars for brand new state of the art communications equipment for the remodel. Um, So, that included just their day-to-day operations. If you call in the phone system, the computer system that the, you know, officers have in their cars, um, but also their emergency um, communication system. So if there were some big catastrophe, like an earthquake or something, they could coordinate an emergency response. Um, that was something that I got um, for Whittier. Um, there are a number of projects that I've, I've I've worked on with the city. And, you know, um, one was, you know, I went to the city council in my annual meeting with the mayor and the city manager at the beginning of the year to kind of find out what are you guys trying to accomplish? And I, um, told them, Hey, the closest dog park for this area is long beach. Um, you might want to consider a dog park. And I like to think that maybe it got them thinking about it. Maybe they were already thinking about it, but we now have a dog park in here as a result. And I go there all the time. (laughs) I think it's wonderful. It's just off the greenway trail. Um, but, you know, it, it just it depends from year to year on what the goals of the city are. And I try to, you know, make sure that we get federal funding to help make their, you know, their goals successful. Um, and, you know, the Greenway Trail, we, I got them funding to, to complete that. Actually, the, fir- the first portion first of it part. because now they're going to extend yeah. it. And I'm that's working right. on some resources for the extension as well.
3: Very cool. Um,
4: and that's that. I mean, that's a, a jewel for our community. I mean, you yep. go out there, you see so many people, families out there. It's healthy. It promotes healthy living style. It's a great way to socialize with your neighbors. Um, so that's, you know, one of my prouder accomplishments as well.
3: Very nice. Now, in terms of uh, other, other, um, I don't want to say issues. What is the right word? See, You issues, can tell I'm not in no, politics. No, it's issues, <laughs> you know,
4: <laughs> challenges, what, concerns.
3: What are the concerns you hear from the community um, that, uh, that you aren't focusing on yet right now? Um that's one and then the other one, what are the issues that you are focusing on Sure
4: So one of the issues that seems to be come up with all the cities that I represent um that their residents talk a lot about is the increase in homelessness I mean there's Correct. just about every city has a homeless population yeah. um and each city has limited resources to deal with that and so I've tried to convene on a regional basis all the cities to try to find a solution where like maybe if everybody kicks in a little bit of funding, we can have like a, um, a shelter, a trans, you know, for, for long term chronic homeless, but also for transitioning people that, you know, need a little bit of help to get back on their feet, but then can transition out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we worked uh, early on on convening the cities in the area to, to come up with a regional strategy instead of each city trying to figure out how are we going to do this. And that kind of took off. So much so, but it's more of a county thing that um, Supervisor Hahn uh, has sort of taken it under her wing. And so now I'm not working on that because she, she's convening those meetings. And she's she kind of handed it off to her office because she asked if she could be involved with that. And we said, well, this makes more sense because it's a, more of a county Correct. issue. And there's county funding to help mm-hmm. the homeless, whereas at the federal level there's very little funding and federal levels are not so localized. Correct. Um, so that, that's one issue, I guess that I'm, um, you know, we still participate in those meetings, but we're not spearheading it. Um, The issues that I work on, you know, I've got several pieces of legislation that I have been working on for a long time. One is an anti-bullying bill that would apply to every school district in the nation, because right now some school districts have really good anti-bullying curriculum and codes of conduct that prohibit bullying but many school districts don't and so would provide like a uniform like every school that receives federal funding would have to have in their code of conduct that they won't tolerate bullying but they would also be required to report um, to the department of education the numbers of incidences of bullying on their campus because bullying has a lot of very negative effects on students it um, leads to absenteeism it can lead to chronic physical health problems, underperform academic underperformance, and even suicide. So, um, if we had school districts, you, you can't really improve something that you're not measuring. Yeah. So it would it would make school districts measure the incidences of bullying on a on their campus so that they can then try to find solutions to help lower that number year after year. And so, the Safe Schools Improvement Act is is one of the pieces of legislation that I work a lot on. Not the least of which is because I I worked in a school district and I taught. So that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I also work on economic issues, particularly as they impact women. Um, The tax code, for example, in many respects is still um, the policies are still kind of geared towards this fantasy that the average family, the husband works and is the major breadwinner and the wife stays home with the kids. In my district, it's two parent that work. Yeah, I don't know where you find that
3: anymore. (laughs) Right.
4: But I have colleagues, believe it or not, that think that the majority of America is still like that. And I'm like, in my district, it's two parents who work, uh, sometimes multiple jobs, um, and a lot of single-parent head of households. That's right. And so how do we make the tax code um, help them be able to afford quality childcare so that they can continue to work? A, A lot of women choose to remain out of the workforce because- what they earn would almost completely be eaten up by the cost of childcare. That's, that's right. So they, you know, they may be trained in a specific field and have uh, valuable knowledge, but they have children and then they choose to stay out of that, out of the workforce because yeah. economically it doesn't really make sense for them. So how can we adjust our policies to recognize that there are a lot of single parents who work and there are a lot of, you know, two parent households
3: where both have to work. It's interesting you say that because my wife is an educator, and um, everybody tells her the same thing. It's like, why would you uh, – obviously, this is when my little ones were little. Um, they're like, why would you go to work when essentially what you're making is going back to daycare and you know uh, preschool and all that stuff? But it was the same thing. It's like, look, it's, it's, um, one, she enjoys what she loves or she loves what she, what she does. Um, so to try to steer her away from that, it's going to be difficult. Um, but also to have her stay home is just for her, it'll drive her nuts. Right. Um, so, um, not to say that, you know, uh, she's doing it just because she can, it's more of a, you know, we need it, right. We need, we need to be able to, uh, get going with our dual income and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you would deal with that. I mean, when you're growing up, one of those tax incentives or credits or whatever, so however you want to put it, was always, you know, you get a house so you could write it off and then you get married so you could, you know, have yeah, a, ch- a children right to write off, you know? Now it seems like it's going the opposite way, we're, we're, which, you know, I guess depending on where you stand, it might be good or bad. But, um, um, but you're right. I think it needs to be a little bit more uh, flexible, if, that, if that's the right word, yeah. uh, for it to apply to people who are in different situations that are not traditional. Right. Um,
4: I've, I mean, I've had colleagues <laughs> on my committee say when I talk about affordable child care or elder care, because there are a lot right. of people that right. have to care for their aging parents and for young children. Yeah. I, I'm in that situation. My father passed from Alzheimer's. My mother has Alzheimer's. And I have a nine-year-old boy, so I've, you know, I've got to be keeping them, you know, on top of both. And, um, you know, and the issue is that, you know, I had this colleague say, well, can't the grandparents look after the children? And I'm like, no, many families don't live in the same state. I mean, when when I'm in Washington, D.C., my mom is here in California, she's 3,000 miles away. Plus, my mom has Alzheimer's, so she has dementia. And... Um, I couldn't you have her watch my son even day. even if I wanted to. Yeah. But there's such a fun if you don't if you don't live those experiences. There's a fundamental lack of understanding of other people and what they're going through. Yeah, and that's why you know I'm so passionate about trying to elect people to Congress that look like the America they're supposed to represent that that have lived the experiences of their constituents yeah. so that they can represent them well yeah. and make good policy that's going to be helpful.
3: Totally makes sense.
0: So, um, if yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. Um, God, I was gonna say something, but I lost my question.
3: <laughs> Remo is gonna say, how does he get a credit by selling his house? I know and, that's uh, what uh, you're gonna well, say.
0: Well, uh, oh, the um, you mentioned that being a, 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 I would say a concern. Um, how how do you fix it? I mean, what what is the proposed plan to fix something like that? Where you mentioned that if it's a single, you know, let's say a single parent household that's working. What, and we mentioned credit, what um, what can we do to maybe help drive sure. that problem in the right direction?
4: Sure. Well, um, there is a child tax credit that some people can access. Mm-hmm. But we need to provide uh, credits, um, uh, I think, for things like child care. Um, it, it costs more to send a child to child care than it does to send a child to college, which is just crazy <laughs> to yeah. me. Um but there are tax incentives or there, there are ways in which we can, you know, rework the formula for how much you get taxed. If you have big expenses like health care expenses or child care, like health is a whole nother issue, too. But like if you have a chronic illness, um, the tax bill, um, they wanted to cap the amount that you could deduct if you spend more than 10 percent of your income on a, on a chronic illness, which is just bad because people who have chronic illnesses sometimes spend... In more than half of their the paycheck, majority uh, of their yeah, the majority yeah. of their paycheck on, the, on, on treatment. Um, I also have introduced a bill which provides um, tax deductions for elder care, too, or gives um, seniors who are enrolled in Medicare um, an opportunity to do adult daycare at a, like a, at a senior center. Um, instead of having skilled nursing care in their home, because studies show that when seniors engage with other seniors, they're happier, they're healthier, they tend to do better, they don't get depression, you know, um, they're not isolated. Um, so giving people the option to send their parents to an adult uh, daycare for the day instead of having skilled nursing care, yeah. care just come to care for them in the home. Um, so there are a number of different ways that you can address um, those kinds of, you know, working people issues.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, we're, we're coming up to re-election. Is there certain um, concerns that you see the con- the constituents having that you're advocating for with this coming uh, election?
4: Yeah, just about every day um, that I engage with people in the community, somebody will come up to me and talk to me about health care. Um, people are really frightened that they, they're they going to dismantle the Affordable Care Act and that they're going to lose their health care coverage. And, in fact, Republicans have They've tried to repeal it outright 60 different times. And now they're starting to sabotage it by unraveling pieces of it. Um, and so I hear from a lot of folks either they themselves have some kind of pre existing condition or a loved one in their family does. Um, so I hear that on almost a daily basis people who are like very concerned um, that their health care insurance is going to go away and, and want to know. You know, if we can do anything about it, can we strengthen the the Affordable Care Act, the ACA, so that, you know, they're not left without insurance. And so a, a lot of people come in, and, and I, I have to say probably the most frequently mentioned issue for my constituents is health care.
0: I mean, I'll give you my own personal example. My father is 78 and a half and is still working because of health care. Um, you know, part of it is he, he, he can really retire and then still kind of make it. But his fear is, um, with my mom as well, is I'm working because the the county is covering my insurance. And insurance costs are so high that he doesn't make that much. But with him having the insurance covered, that's that's huge. As soon as he leaves, he'll depend on Medicare and other, like, you know, and and you don't know what the direction is for those. And so in his mind, he just says, you know, I'm just going to keep on working until I can't work anymore. But he's... Almost seventy nine and still working.
4: Yeah. You know, so yeah, that you know, a lot of people won't switch jobs because their health care is provided by their employer, and or or start their own business because mm-hmm. then you're left without that, you know, that benefit, and uh, so it suppresses, I think, a lot of the innovation Group. and yeah. you know, small business entrepreneurship in the economy because people are, d- are just afraid to go without health care.
3: Yeah. Th- that's a big one. I mean, it's it's um, it's a, always a big topic. Um, I guess uh, just to kind of try to get closer to wrapping this up, I know you have a previous engagement that you got to get to. Um, We had some questions on Instagram that uh, we'd like to uh, ask and and see if you could answer these. The first one was, uh, when will you get legislation passed that helps with housing?
4: Yeah, so um, there are a number of federal programs that do help with housing. Section 8 housing is one of them, although the waiting lists are long for that um we also i talked about the tax bill that the republicans passed last year they wanted to eliminate the low income housing credit which is an incentive for people to build low income housing um and we weren't able to block it on the house side but the senate was and in the final bill they 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 kept that credit in um so i but i was you know leading the charge in our committee to try to preserve that that tax credit because again It helps incentivize people to build affordable housing. Um, Mostly housing is more of a local and state issue. Although, again, there are federal programs and there are ways in which the federal government can either be helpful or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know cost of living is a big issue, especially in California, and housing being the chief housing cost among that. So, um, you know, that's an issue I've I've worked somewhat on. But, um, you know, federal government doesn't really have the jurisdiction um, so, you know,
3: if it's a local uh, issue, who would you suggest we reach out to? Um,
4: your state elected representatives and your city council, okay? Um, because and maybe your planning commission too, because you know they determine what projects you know happen in a, in a particular city. And the the sort of difficulty for them, unfortunately, is that um, people want affordable housing, but nobody wants increased traffic or, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, increased development. So, it, yeah. you know, it's not an easy issue. You ca- yeah. kind of have to balance. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know, build units, and that's going to be a little bit more crowding and traffic. But, you know, it, it does help with the cost of housing.
3: Yeah.
0: Next question um, is, how can you support funding for our smaller school districts that have declining enrollment?
4: Yeah. Again, federal government is not chi- the chief... Um, you know, uh, uh, we don't have jurisdiction over school districts. We we do have, I mean, federal money does go to school districts for certain things, um, but that's more of a state issue. State determines how um, how funding is allocated, and and your local tax base also determines um, how education funding is handled. So, so that's, for,
0: for that person that's asking that question, where where would you direct them to, to their
4: to their state representatives? That's something that the formula is created at the state level for how district. Okay.
3: Well, before we hit her with the winter questions, I have one more for you. Um, is there anything you want to, um, talk about that's upcoming or something that you want the community to know?
0: Be an event.
4: Sure. Well, um, the biggest event is coming up in just 20 short days and that is election day, the midterm elections, every election matters and every decision that is made in Washington, DC affects people's lives. So I would just say, please please go out and vote it's a civic responsibility and it's a right that people have fought and died for That's right. and our democracy is only as strong as the people who participate in it and if you're confused by all the ballot initiatives and whatever you don't have to vote for everything on the ballot just choose the offices that you are interested in and know uh, you know about the candidates or research about the candidates um, and vote the things that you really care about you don't have to vote for everything but please please please. I urge everybody to get out and vote.
3: There you go, Remo. I think she was looking at you. Just, yeah, <laughs> well, just, yeah. well, before we get with the Whittier questions,
0: I have maybe a couple fun questions. That, okay. So what are some things that maybe people don't know about you? You said you're really shy.
4: Right? I used to be. You used to be shy. I'm
0: sorry. And then what are some fun things that
4: Okay, so I grew up playing um, fast-pitch softball and baseball with my brothers. Uh, in Congress, we have a congressional baseball team. Um, for 15 years, I was the only woman that played on the team. Really? And I'm <laughs> one of the more consistent hitters on the team. Nice. Uh, last year, we got our second woman, who was also from the L.A. area, Nanette Barragon. Um, but we play in that stadium a charity game. It's the Democrats versus Republicans. Yes. All of the proceeds from the ticket sales, we donate to the Boys and Girls Club of D.C., the Literacy Council of DC and the Fallen Officers Program for the um, Capitol Police. Um, so it's a fun thing that we do, and and I'm proud to be a, a Dodger fan and representing LA County in the Congressional Baseball Game. So you're the year. ringer for the team, <laughs> huh? yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so if we need a softball, I know, we know. And we'll call you, we'll give you a call.
4: Um, that's kind of a fun fact about me. Uh, what a, oh I have. Uh, two mini schnauzers. Uh, one is named Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and the other is named Scully for Vince Scully. I'm a oh, huge, very cool. Yeah. Oh, this is a fun fact. I now live in Whittier. I used to live in Lakewood, and I live in the home that uh, no Mark Garcia Parra grew up in. No way. Yes, I did. Did he leave anything behind? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, is there anything?
3: <laughs> yeah. Are you sure?
4: No, but he was very kind. He signed photographs for my sons when we closed on the house. Oh,
0: very nice. Yeah. Was that the reason why? <laughs>
3: no,
4: I, I loved the house uh, before I even knew who owned it. And, and then the, that just was the uh, that, that icing sealed on the it. cake. Yeah,
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, with that said, I mean, the, the now you're real, I Should think we? they're going to be easy. I mean, she really? just lives – yeah, she lives on the street. I mean, okay. come well, on. Well, these are typically the
0: toughest questions for most of the local business owners because they want to make sure they're politically correct. So if you are venturing off and getting a, a quick bite to eat or, you know, I don't know, a, a drink somewhere. Um, where Which are some of your favorite spots to go to?
4: Okay, so I tend to be a creature of habit, although I do love to try new things when I know about them. But um, one of my go to's is Off the Hook on Hadley and also the Coop, which I, I love them both. It, pretty healthy, fresh stuff. Um, I love um, La Colonia for soup, um, obviously. They're fideo. Yeah, they're Fideo. Um, it, uh, Ray's Little Kitchen when I'm walking the Greenway Trail, I'll stop in and have breakfast and not feel bad about getting the um, French toast uh, bites because i have yeah, doing my exercise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've earned it. On it's the legit. Greenway,
1: yeah.
4: uh, trail. Um, I've also tried uh, it's sort of on the east end of town um, toast oh, yeah. uh, for breakfast, uh, but that tends to get crowded. So, And it's a it's a little bit of a hike for me. Um I was just at um, Alondra Hot Wings is has, is opening in Whittier right. by, by Jacks. Yeah. Um, and I used to drive all the way to Montebello to go to the uh-huh. Alondra Hot Wings there. But now there's going to be one here in Whittier, nice. which I'm very excited about. I am um, a big fan of Popeye's chicken and they put in a Popeye. That's right. Yeah. So if I'm like looking for fast food I'll, yeah. that's unhealthy, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. swing in um, to Popeyes. But those are some of my spots.
0: Yeah, you know all the spots. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Because uh, I thought we were gonna you were gonna say something real generic, but you nailed some no, of the really well, good spots. Well, I mean, spots. those
4: are just some of my favorite go tos. Yeah. So. Well,
3: why well, if, if there's something missing that you would want? I mean, what what's missing. missing? And what are your
4: What is missing in Whittier, have you guys ever had Tierra Mia coffee? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. If they had a Tierra Mia in Whittier, I would be bankrupt because I would go like three (laughs) times a day. I drive down to – they open one in Montebello just down Beverly, so I drive down to Montebello to get my coffee. But um, if they had a Tierra Mia in Whittier, life would be heaven.
3: Nice, nice. Is there anything else that you think that's missing in Whittier? I mean like uh, something that you you think – should get incorporated other than like a business or – or not business, but like a restaurant?
0: Or a service, product, something? Because uh,
3: there's um, something that you're – like when you come back, you're like, man, I wish they had it closer to home.
4: Well, I, I kind of would like there to be a little more nightlife in Whittier. There's okay. n- not a lot of like clubs where you can go dance. Not that – yeah. Not that I'm young enough to go, <laughs> go out and clubbing you every You still want to get out, right? I mean, yeah, every now and again it would be nice. Yeah. you know, A nice club that you could go to. So, sure.
0: That's the message to the city and
4: <laughs> council members. If you, guys
3: are, if you guys are listening, you heard it right yeah. from the top. Yeah.
4: Um. You know, now that we've got the dog park, that's kind of checked off the list. I really love that dog park yeah. too. They did a great job with it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. And your last question? Here. The last question is um, – I know you say you didn't grow up here, but but if if there's something that you, growing up, you've missed uh, or heard about here in Whittier, um, what would that be?
4: So I always heard growing up, because I had cousins that lived in Pico Rivera just down Beverly. Um, cruise night that they used to have here okay. although I heard the traffic was terrible yes. but that it was a lot of fun for young <laughs> it's on people the weekend, to do, right? to yeah, do yeah. cruise night but I love you know when they do the classic car show here uh-huh. you know that I really love and I used to bring my dad because um, the old cars like you know harken back to a time when he yeah, was yeah, young and he would minutes. tell me stories about his youth and stuff
3: so. yeah no definitely it's one of those things where you could walk down memory lane just by looking at cars you know so yeah. uh, okay. no fun times fun times well, with that said, um, again, is there any? I guess if if, um, if people want to reach out to you, uh, whether it's questions or, or kind of discuss certain topics, how can they get a hold of you?
4: Sure, they can visit my website, um, uh, which is LTS at no no. I'm sorry, it's Linda. San- I'm sorry, it's Linda Sanchez at mail.house.gov. Um, they can also call our office, uh, which is located in Norwalk, which is central to the district. Um, that number is five six two. Eight six zero five zero five zero. 5050 They can uh, either call, write, come in in person, uh, email, um, let us know if they have a question or a problem about any federal agency. So VA benefit, anything about VA benefits, Social Security, Medicare, immigration, um, the Postal Service, uh, if people need expedited visas, if they're going to be traveling out of the country, all of that. Those are issues that my office can help with.
0: Very cool. And for something like that, would you need an appointment or do you – what's the process of being able to
4: Well, you can can call into the office and talk to a caseworker, and then they will tell you what the next step is. Sometimes it will will require somebody to come into the office. Or we also do – we also send caseworkers out to the different cities. Um, Like I know – Uh, Once a month, they go to like the Pico Rivera Senior Center. And once a month, I'm not sure if it's City Hall here, but they have different days where they come out to the different cities so that if you can't, if you have trouble getting to Norwalk, Mm. it's much closer for you to come down and talk to a caseworker.
3: Very cool. Well, with that said, thank you again for for coming on. Um, I'd love to have a discussion again uh, next time you have uh, some time um, and just talk about Uh, a little bit less politics, and maybe more, more, more whittier. Sure. Um, Once you win your campaign, you can come back. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because I think that's very important for, for any candidate or anybody who's uh, holding office is that it's good. I mean, again, politics is serious note, right? Um, But I know we're all human. We all have some human connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. I think uh, anybody really, it's, uh, it's always awesome. So, uh, again, thank you again. All and, right. Thanks uh, for inviting Sanchez, me. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon, Woodier. Bye, Woodier.